I'm Misty Winkler, and you're listening to the Convivial Homeschool Audio Blog, Episode 57. Welcome to the Convivial Homeschool Audio Blog, short but meaty focus sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschooling mom. As mother teachers, what we most need is an educational philosophy. Actually, we all have one, but is it a good one? Season 10 will be taken from my series where I've been blogging through the great tradition, classical readings about what it means to be an educated person. After all, learning more about ourselves and our job and our students is key to consistency and sanity over the long haul. Let's dig in. A teacher must pay attention and we need to know what we're after. What is education? I love to collect quotes on what education means. Definitions are important. Because without them, we can be using the same word, but with entirely different understandings of what we're talking about. Without understanding what it is we're trying to do each and every day with our children, we flounder and fall back on our defaults, what's easiest rather than what's best. So knowing definitions is utterly practical. Today's quote from The Great Tradition is all about what education means What is the task that we have undertaken? Educating requires attentiveness from us. We hear a lot, as well we should, about cultivating attention in our children, because attention is required to learn. Before you can learn, you have to pay attention. In the introduction of the great tradition, Richard Gamble argues that teaching requires us to pay attention. To teach, we have to pay attention to where we are leading and who we are leading. Quote, education is properly understood as the care and perfection of the soul. That's beautiful, you might say, but how is that relevant to me when it's 1030 on a Tuesday morning and my homeschool day has already fallen to pieces? 1. Education is caring. Education is a way that we nurture and care for our children. That's what we're doing when we educate them. We aren't nurturing them only when we feed them and hug them goodnight, and then beating them with knowledge when we present them with a checklist or a book or an assignment. Education is also caring. It's not about the checkboxes. The checkboxes are there to help us raise our children into what is good and right and true. The opposite of care, according to my dictionary, is neglect. We neglect our children when we prioritize the curriculum's demands over our children's needs, or when we neglect our children when we prioritize nothing at all. Synonyms for care include attentiveness, discretion, concern, support, solicitude, forethought, mindfulness, and guardianship. Educating requires us to pay attention to the needs of our students, the needs of their minds, bodies, and souls, and then reach out to meet them. Let us be careful that what we care about most is our own particular children as individual and eternal souls. Two, education is idealistic. If education's aim is perfection of the soul, then in this life, its aim is never reached. 
This is the flip side of the desire that our children and ourselves be lifelong learners. It means that we will never arrive, never finish, never really check all the boxes and graduate into perfection. Education is never really over. It's a continual process and journey that we are on until we do reach perfection at the second coming. Though we will never reach it in this life, our efforts to educate are straining and leading toward perfection, toward better understanding and better application. To have an ideal, a picture of perfection, we must know where we're going. What does perfection look like? How can we get from here to there? We have to know both where we are and where we want to go. For that, we must pay attention. If we start off on this homeschool journey with no idea what education is, why we're doing it, or where we want to be at the end, we'll flounder, frustrated and fickle. We'll have no idea whether what we're doing is working or if we're even doing a good job. We have to have a measuring stick to determine if we're straightened out and moving forward. A measuring stick has a beginning and an end. In the Great Tradition section from Xenophon, who also wrote Dialogues of Socrates back in the day, we learn that education is about broad-mindedness. In the introduction, Richard Gamble, editor of the Great Tradition, says that Xenophon was the more popular source for Socratic teaching in the ancient world, whereas now we tend to get Plato over here upon, quote, those who know what they do win fame and honor by attaining their ends. Xenophon, quoting Socrates. I had to write this sentence down because I saw in it three important pieces woven together concisely. First, he's talking about those who know what they do. Do we as home educators know what we are doing? Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. But this reminds us that taking the time to think through what we're doing is essential. Second, he calls out those who win fame and honor. Now, we might not care so much about fame, but the Bible does speak of honor. The Proverbs call out what it takes to achieve honor, to be honorable. The Bible honors certain people and commends them as examples. The Bible commands children to honor their parents. We should be people worth honor, whether or not we do receive worldly recognition. Third, How does that honor come? By attaining our ends. This assumes that we know what our ends are. Hint, it's virtue. The ends come to those who know what they are doing. So we start where we are, know what we're doing, move towards our end, and if we stick with it, we will find that we are at least worthy of honor. We have been faithful whether or not God sees fit to allow us recognition in this life. Quote, Have you observed, then, that some who have a very little find it enough, whereas others cannot live within their means, however large? Xenophon, quoting Socrates. I think we have all observed this general truth about man. In the context of education, does it not cut straight to the heart of any perspective that makes economic gain the end of learning? If we do school merely for a better job, for a bigger paycheck, that is no guarantee of happiness or even ease of living, much less virtue. 
It's not about the amount that you earn or what you have. It's about knowing the right thing to do and doing it. So whatever our children's earning power or income bracket might be, we can teach and model contentment, perseverance, and living within our means, all of which will serve them well whatever their economic standing when they are adults. And now it's time for this season's Simple Sanity Saver, Teaching Shakespeare. The first step in our five-step strategy for teaching Shakespeare is to introduce the play. This first step is basically to do a Cliff's Notes version of the play. When the plot and the storyline are known beforehand, then our attention is free to enjoy the details without having to keep track of who is who. But we also don't want the introduction to introduce the idea that Shakespeare is dull. A plain enumeration of the characters and the salient plot points makes for a boring introduction and a bad starting point. So introduce the play with an engaging retelling. There are so many wonderful collections of retellings, as well as many picture book versions of individual plays. You can find links to those that we have used when you sign up for the Shakespeare Memory Sheets at Simply Convivial. To introduce the basics of the plot, I try to find a beautiful picture book version. Lamb or Nesbitt have popular collections of retellings from Shakespeare, but I actually do not prefer those. I've tried them, and I just don't like them. There's no virtue in language being archaic simply for the sake of being archaic. Though his language is more difficult for us, Shakespeare was plain, though punning, and bold in his day, and so many modern adaptions tend to get closer to the true spirit of Shakespeare. But before jumping into any picture book version, it's great to start with a biography or an introduction about Shakespeare himself. Especially if it's the first play you've ever read together, or if it's just the first play of the school year, I like to start off with a little history lesson about who Shakespeare was and what his Globe Theater was like in order to give us some context for the plays. You can find introductions and picture books that we have used in our Shakespeare studies when you go to simplyconvivial.com Shakespeare. That's simplyconvivial.com slash Shakespeare to find all my Shakespeare resources. Thank you for listening to the Convivial Homeschool audio blog. At simplyconvivial.com slash audio, you can find all the episodes, any download links, and also sign up to get an email whenever a new episode comes out. I always appreciate your reviews also and Facebook shares. Education starts with humility. So let's repent, rejoice, repeat. Repeat.